You're listening to A Journey in American English. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. In today's episode, we have two main topics. The first one is that Chris and I want to tie up some loose ends from last week's episode. Unfortunately, we ran out of time, and Chris was not able to talk about retail workers, which he and I both feel are very important and is the job of a lot of average people in the U.S., we would say. So that's the first point. The second topic that Chris and I want to touch on is the topic of traveling, because not a lot of Americans actually travel. Most of the traveling that Americans do is really domestic, so from state to state. And even if they do travel abroad, it's really only once or twice within their lifetime. And we want to touch on the reasons as to why that is. With that being said, let's begin. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's good to be back for another week. Yeah. How's the weather? Uh, it got a little cooler this week, but it's uh, actually the last couple of days it's gotten sunnier and warmer again. We're in the mid 50s. There's oh. still somehow some snow clinging to the ground in a few shadowy places. And I really don't like being reminded about it, but it'll go soon. Yeah, I've been I've been working on my car with my neighbor. But we've had to take a break for about like a week because it's been raining nonstop. And um, yeah, there are a lot of storms right now in Europe. It's pretty windy. It's pretty rainy. It's, it's cloudy. Uh, it's just, oh, it's just terrible weather. And it just zaps your, your energy, or at least mine. There's about to be a massive, massive uh, snowstorm in the Rocky Mountain area. Well, I suppose I live in the Rocky Mountain area. In the Rocky Mountain area around Denver, uh, it's supposed to dump just a ton of snow. The only reason I even know about this is I, I, I work with the trucking industry and everyone mm. is like scrambling and planning around it. Like there's just like a dead zone of, of, of movement of, of things in that area during like this two days they're expecting just yeah. that whole area to be covered. Yeah, Texas got hit pretty bad, but that was that was like three weeks ago, wasn't it? Oh yeah, the whole industry's still recovering from that. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for them. And you know what with the price gouging and and them giving well, like astronomical bills. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Um, it's a it's really good for the truckers. The truckers are busy, but they're in control of the market right now. So well, that's good. They're they're having a good time, they're getting paid well. <laughs> Speaking of getting paid well, so last week we were talking about uh, the average person and we went into a various different topics about like what the average person likes with respect to sports, um, respect to hobbies, religion, etc. Mm-hmm. And I believe we finished off with retail workers at the very end. Um and that's a, that's a super important topic, especially for modern America. So I think we would be doing them a disservice if we didn't at least talk about that real quick, because I feel like the average person does work in some form of the retail industry or, or customer service. Um, or what's your opinion on that? Well, it's not as much as I would like it to be, to be honest. Yeah. 
<laughs> when I when I used to work retail, um, you you can always you could always tell the kind of people who have and have not worked retail uh, based on how they treated you and really? their expectations. Okay. Because um, a lot of people, you know, understand, you know, you're, you're the lowest of the low kind of underling. You're just doing what you're told, you know, you can't, somebody says, Oh, this is pretty expensive. Like, yeah, I, I can't control that. Why are you telling me? <laughs> Why are you like, I, I could get a manager or something for you, but I guarantee that he can't do anything either. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is perfect. So a lot of people have been mentioning uh, these Karens, you know, people who say, like, I want to speak to your manager. And uh, that goes hand in hand with retail workers. You know, if they're if a customer isn't satisfied with the service they're getting, the first question they say is, where's your manager or who's the manager or who's your supervisor? Um. Yeah, I feel bad for him. <laughs> I never, I've never done that though. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we've all had at least one or two times where we, looking back, we've treated some people in a service position not super well. You know, not always intentionally, but that that you know, people are humans. It happens. That's definitely true, and I I do my best not to talk about uh the pandemic. Uh, I, I tried not to even use the, the name, <laughs> but we've definitely seen in the past year that people who work in these industries, so like at McDonald's or at supermarkets or or whatever, um, positions that typically don't really get any respect or have any prestige, that they've suddenly become very valuable. You know oh, yeah. that. In they're some the essential workers. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, the, a, they're the tiny cogs in the machine, and the machine doesn't work if they're not there. Yeah, and everyone knows that, but no one really cares. And that reminds me of a quote from Futurama. So, for those who don't know, Futurama is, or I guess still was, or is, or was, uh, like a cartoon show from like the '90s, early 2000s. Um, I believe. Uh, what is his name? Matt Groening, the guy who created The yep. Simpsons. Yeah, yep. he also created uh, Futurama. And there's this one quote I really love. And Bender, so to sum up the episode, Bender becomes uh, launched. Uh, he's launched into space and he hits an asteroid and these people start living on his stomach or whatnot. And oh, that is such an episode. Yeah, and you know what I'm talking about. And they, these people think he's God. And He's doing his best to make sure that the people are happy, you know, that there's no war, but, but ultimately he fails and well, everyone dies. Uh, sorry to spoil the episode, <laughs> but he's floating through space and he's all alone. And eventually he meets something he thinks is God. Uh, and the thing doesn't actually say it's God, but people say people think I'm God. And he's like, yeah, I've been watching you and I've, I've been uh, observing you and I saw what you did. And he did a really good job up until the point where everyone died. And basically the quote from him was like, um, when you do things right, um, no one knows, no one is certain that you've done anything at all. You know, yep. that people who make sure that the machine runs, that they get no respect, they get no love. And you've definitely seen that in the past year, that a lot of these people who are at the very bottom are now at the very top with respect to prestige and well, respect. They're not getting more money. They're they're still just as poor as they were before. Well, right? actually, some of them did get a pay raise. 
Did they? Or, or I, I actually know people who um, oh, okay. retail workers and such like that. And or is that um, hazard pay? Yeah, but they all got to bump up and pay, and they're still. Oh. I believe they just got to keep that pay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, they've been doing that here too, um, especially the nurses. But the nurses and retail workers, uh, those are two different categories, and nurses are by no means. I would say poor. Well, I, I want to, I don't want to say about the U S but with respect uh, nurses to like, make decent money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you got to pay for that schooling though. So it, it kind of evens out. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've known plenty of people who've like gone to nursing school and talk about like how much debt they accrue. Absolutely. But, and yeah. uh, the people I know who've gotten that, uh, that uh, hazard pay bump all yeah. work in uh, grocery stores and that is definitely uh, one industry that did just fine during the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. That, they can afford it. <laughs> yeah, but it's um, especially here too, and a lot of other other countries because they were they were forced to close. So the grocery stores are the one that really profited, and online mm-hmm. businesses too. So so like the the usual culprits like Amazon. Um, I know Walmart, for example, they have an online store in the U.S. Walmart doesn't really exist abroad but um ebay too so all of these online stores really profited and i don't know if that counts as retail but i i can't think of the the term for it but you have these services like oh god what is it called like uber eats or grubhub or doordash uh, i've driven doordash yeah stuff like that i don't know if that would necessarily count as retail but i guess that's that's gig economy if i'm correct but yeah yeah but it is some people same... do it full time yeah uh i tried that for a little bit <laughs> but but that is in the same vein though as retail workers in the sense that they're 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 not very high earners um they do a lot of the grunt work uh, they get no respect and they're somewhat seen as i would say being disposable and oh in absolutely a, in a certain sense and i don't mean that in like a like a misanthropic, you know, like hating on people kind of way. But that's really the way like retail workers are are viewed, especially in the US, you know? Oh, absolutely. And and the thing with gig economy workers, and some states are trying to change this, but you're not an employee, you're a contractor. Yeah. And each individual order you fill is a new contract. But that and is and you have no true. protections for your employment, your your income, you have you have nothing. Yeah, but that's so that's so sleazy though, because if I can steer a little bit back to, to the US or sorry to Germany. So Germany is, along with France, a powerhouse within Europe and the European Union. And so a lot of people, especially Eastern Europeans, come to Germany to work. So from um, Albania, Bulgaria, um, Romania, a lot of them come here, especially for seasonal work. And a lot of them work on the fields or they work in construction. And there are a lot of um, construction bosses, I would say, in Germany that are not very ethical. And what they'll do is they'll make uh, they'll make the migrant worker create his own company. So he'll create his own company within Germany and say that this person is an independent contractor, you know, and at least within Germany, if you're an independent contractor, that means you have to have at least more than. Uh, two or three regular customers otherwise it kind of looks like you're trying to the the person who's paying you 
is trying to skip out on paying like taxes and social security, because if right. you hire someone as an independent contractor, you're not responsible for paying their taxes. You're not responsible for paying their social security, uh, whatever. And so a lot of people have a company and they only have one customer. And if you have a, if you have a company that only has one customer, can you really say this person is an independent contractor? Cause it's just not true. And that's how I kind of view that with Uber Eats and Grubhub and whatever they're called or Dine Dash. If you're just working, if you're just running orders for one company, I don't think it's fair to refer that person as an independent contractor. You know what I mean? You know, I can't say I've really thought about it from that angle. I, but, I know some states are trying to legislate um, these things, and I, I haven't really dove into their arguments, but I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is among the arguments. It should be. Um, I don't know. I really, I really feel, I really feel for them. I don't know if this was a thing where I don't know if we talked about this last time, where instead of having one full time worker, they'll have like two or three. Did oh we talk, yes, did we I'm touch on that? Sure, we did. Uh, yeah. Just Cliff Notes version, uh, just in case we didn't. Uh, at least in the United States, certain employers. Uh, have to provide employees certain benefits and certain guarantees once they reach full-time status. Yeah. So a lot of companies in order to skip out on that, instead of having, you know, five 40 hour employees, if you can get 10, 20 hour employees, that's better. You pay them the same, but you don't have to pay their benefits. You don't have to give them time off. You don't have to give them holiday pay, you know, all of these, all of these things that add up over time and just make, you know, cost you more money if you're an employer. Yeah. That, that that that's true that's so true and that's a foreign concept for a lot of people and that was foreign for my wife too where i told her um i can't go on or i can't get sick because i don't have sick days for example that those are part of your benefits like you get dental you get holiday you get sick days uh medical for 401k where the hell it's called whatever it's called yep that's right uh, yeah and um if you're part-time, then they don't have to pay that. Whereas in other countries, that's like, no matter where you work, even if it's only part-time, it's automatically in the, the contract. There's no negotiating unless you're independent. <laughs> and then you have the same problem as, as in the U.S. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on on this subject before we segue into this no. week's main topic? No, I, I think uh, that that's pretty much uh, pretty much okay. all that was left have, over from lesson. Yeah, sure. Go on. Shoot. I have a cheeky little segue from last week into this week. Sure, sure. Shoot. So I'm not sure how true this is, but this is something I have heard that the average American family, uh, the common American family, they get one big international trip in their lifetime on average. I don't know how true this is, but this is what I hear. And that's sort of what we want to talk about this week. Uh, what is travel like in the U.S.? Not just in the U.S., but just for Americans in general. Because uh, I always hear that people in other countries are surprised most Americans don't leave the U.S. Uh, yeah. But we have such a variety of different types of geography and cities and things here. It's It feels like we don't need to to experience most things. Obviously, there are people who disagree, but 
if you want to go somewhere tropical and beautiful and always warm and sunny, we have Hawaii. If you want to go somewhere, you want to go to a frozen tundra, we have Alaska. Do you want to go to the middle of nowhere in a cornfield? We have several states that have that. Uh, you want to go to a bustling metropolis? We have New York City and several others. The landmass of this country is just massive. That's true. So in that respect, uh, the French and, and the American citizens have a lot in common. The French don't ever really go abroad. Really? Because, yeah, because I don't have any statistics or anything. Uh, like So there's nothing I can... I have in my hand to back up what I'm saying, but I do remember from a couple of sources that a lot of the French don't like to go abroad and a lot of them stay uh, within France. And technically speaking, uh, they can go to Africa, but it's not considered abroad because you have the Reunion Islands or you have French Guyana. Uh, French Guyana is not in Africa, it's in South America, but still. So you have those two places that are a tropical and then you have new, oh God, what is it called? New Chalcedonia or whatever, forgive me, is also tropical. And so in that respect, like the French and the Americans are pretty similar. Are these um, French territories or are they just French speaking countries? No, they're French territories. Oh, so I the, had no idea. Yeah. So without getting, because I don't want to deviate too far from your topic, but to, uh, to finish that one up, when the countries entered the European Union, a lot of them had to give up their overseas territories. Um, and France was basically like, no. We don't want to. <laughs> and so France got to keep a lot of their country, a lot of their old colonies. And it's really not a lot. It's, I think it's four or five islands, maybe six. Um, it's kind of like the same with the British. Although I think the British have pretty much lost almost everything except maybe Gibraltar. But yeah, so that, that's a funny side note. But back to what you had said about uh, one big trip. I think that's true. <laughs> um I, I don't my... like the idea of it. Uh, why not? Because right now in my life, I'm, I've dedicated somewhat with mm -hmm. some friends of mine. In the next two or three years, I want to go to Japan for a month. Oh yeah, And I too. really don't want that to be like the end of my international travel. I really don't. Yeah, see, my first big trip was to Germany. And for me, it was like, this is the first stop onto like a brand new adventure, like a, a world trip. <laughs> and I never got further than Germany. I just got stuck here. <laughs> so I've still been here. But have I you have... never been to France? Oh, of course I have. I've been to France like five times. But oh, okay. I was going to say, it... you seem to talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that really counts because it's right next door. It's only like th two hours from here. But oh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, I've been to France, England, Croatia, Poland, uh, Belgium, stuff like that. But you know, I really want to go to like Asia. I think that's like, Absolutely. The, that's a really big thing, especially among Westerners is going to like Asia. Because I feel like a lot of Western countries are very similar with respect to like culture, language, uh, tradition, uh, behavior, etc. So going to Germany wasn't a huge culture shock. I think going to Japan, or going to China or Korea would be a much bigger shock to at least Americans as opposed to going to like Canada. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's supposed to be cheaper. It, so long as you're not going to Korea or Japan, Southeast Asia is supposed to be like the cheap uh, um, the international travel spot. If you want to go somewhere 
for lack of a better, I don't really like this term, but exotic because you know what's exotic yeah you know yeah if you go somewhere and say oh your home is so exotic but they're like this is just normal for us this is just how we live yeah it's a dangerous word but it's it's (laughs) yeah but it's how some people think of it they're like oh there's this crazy place and you know the dollar buys a lot here so i can go here for cheap and get my fill of international travel so i hope i hope i don't get uh criticized for this i don't have a map in my head but thailand I don't know if that's Southeast Asia, but it's definitely it in Asia. Yeah, okay, good. So I was correct. A lot of Germans, a lot of Germans go to go to Thailand because um, the euro is so strong there. So what is what is considered poor here? I don't want to say they're rich because I don't want to you know say anything bad about Thailand. But for for the people in Thailand, it's a lot of money. So um, a lot of people will retire over there. And so they'll take their German pension, which isn't a lot. It's like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars a month, maybe if that, depending on where you work. And they'll just live there for the next twenty years. And so in Germany, that, they, that works. Yeah. So in Germany, you would be considered just like you know, barely scraping by. Whereas over there, it's they feel like they're living as if they were kings. But yeah, yeah. With with what you said about exotic, um, I don't know. That's what I referred to, like europe ass before i went to europe but and now guess, it's just your normal yeah now it's just normal although it's still interesting but i think traditionally speaking exotic probably refers to anything that's not western so yeah it it has a it, it doesn't feel quite clean coming out of the mouth does it no not really like i wouldn't i don't know if i would refer to england as being exotic <laughs> no um I've so, never been there, but I think the world kind of considers it uh, <laughs> one of the least exotic places in the world. It's very rainy over there. I mean, that's one of the common myths. Like, not even the English like it. That's why they always go everywhere to yep, that's, you know, go that's why, that's why they started an empire. <laughs> yeah. So you said like one big. Uh, so if we circle back to what you said about one big uh, trip. Absolutely. I do know that the majority of Americans, U.S. citizens don't actually have a passport so no nope, that's something i'm gonna have to work on in the next two to three years yeah i i think i'm on my fourth passport but not because uh they all expired but just because you know what actually i think it is because they expired <laughs> um i think one got damaged or something but they're not expensive i believe a passport is around 120 dollars maybe 130 that's a little expensive. Is it? It's a little um, expensive for a document. Yes, it's good for 10 years. And oh, that's yeah. So, okay, that's okay. As long as you're not I was I was getting DMV vibes. I recently had to pay like $300 to buy a license plate. Oh, uh, well, no. And I'm I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that every year. So, if you're under 18, you have to renew it every five or seven years i believe if you're over 18 then it's once every 10 years and if you're just renewing your passport and not applying for a new one it's actually cheaper but it's not much cheaper it's still like a 100 bucks but still paying a hundred dollars it's it's something yeah for every 10 years I'm, i'm not really complaining and the u.s has one of the strongest passports so you can go to around 160 something countries without a visa or you get a visa upon entry so for example if you go to europe 
if you could go to Europe or Japan or Canada, doesn't matter, you usually get a visa for between 30 and 90 days, which is enough for like a small trip. Yep. Um, isn't there another country with a very strong passport? I know America has a very strong passport, but um, uh, I, think I so. seem to recall someone once saying, if you had an American passport and you had this other country's passport, there's almost nowhere in the world you couldn't go easily. Uh, I don't have any stats in front of me, but off the top of my head, I do know Japan, uh, Finland, and the U.S. have, and I think England, too, have the strongest passports. Pretty much any passport from the West is really strong. And what I mean by that... I think that, it was an Eastern passport because mm, the kind of places that wouldn't be super friendly to a Western passport would be friendly to this passport. Like, they, uh, the two of them would fill each other's gaps, I think, was the was the thinking oh uh, well i don't want to cheat by looking but <laughs> yeah but, and also my mechanical keyboard will be very loud yeah, if yeah. I look. <laughs> but pretty much any passport from the west uh, is enough to get you bought is enough to get you anywhere you want to go whereas if you're from like the east especially the middle east uh you have a really hard time and i've talked to plenty of people from the middle east who are very willing to give up their passports because they can only go to like 30 countries without, or depending on where you are from the Middle East, I know the Middle East is very big and uh, there are many countries. So I don't want to say that they're, they have all the same problems, but a lot of them do have the same problem with respect that their passport isn't very strong um, outside of the middle east inside of the middle east it's perfect but outside you have a bit of trouble a bit of a problem that might be what i'm thinking of it might have been like an israeli passport i'm thinking of see the israeli passport is super interesting i had uh, a friend at the university who's from israel so he's a jew uh culturally i don't know if he was practicing but culturally speaking uh he, he was jewish and Jewish law says that you can never actually relinquish your Jewish citizenship. So interesting. So he gave up his Jewish citizenship because Germany doesn't allow you to have two. So Germany doesn't really allow you to have dual nationality except under very certain conditions. And so he gave up his uh, Israeli passport because a lot of countries won't let you enter if they see that you've been to Israel or you or you're from Israel. So he adopted a German passport because he's like, well, if I don't want to be in Germany anymore, I can just give up my German citizenship and get my Israeli citizenship back. And you just have to show them like an old passport and show that you have like friends and family and voila, you get your new passport or your old one back. So. Okay. I thought you were going to say uh, Israel was still sending him tax taxes and stuff. No. Oh, like, don't hey, you can't, you can't give us up. We're still charging you. No, don't get me started on that. Yeah. So for <laughs> those who don't know, the US and one other small Caribbean country whose name I cannot think of, I'm very sorry, uh, taxes its citizens abroad. And you uh, are taxed in both countries. And you can actually be taxed three times depending on uh, where you live. So if you're from the US, you live in France, but you have a company in England, <laughs> you will be taxed in England, France, and in the US. So you'll be taxed three times. Um, Yikes. Yeah, but yeah. So well, any anyway, something we were talking about yeah. uh, before we started recording that I thought was interesting 
is that you said you've only been to around seven states. Yeah. Is that more than countries you've, or is that le- more or less than countries you've been to? Oh, I think around the same. I feel like in Europe, states or countries are treated like states. So for Americans, because everything is so far from the U.S., that's something that people have to know. If you go to Canada, I personally wouldn't consider that going abroad unless you go to like maybe Quebec because our languages and cultures are so similar along many different lines that I don't know. I don't want to do the Canadians a disservice though. But a lot of, a lot of people also go to Mexico. So with, except for those things, we never really go abroad. So we mostly do a lot of uh, domestic uh, traveling. Whereas in Europe, it's the same thing. <laughs> Most Europeans don't ever really leave Europe. And See, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll no, that was it. Go up. on, go on. Okay. So I was thinking when you told me this, that I think you are, you must be some sort of statistical anomaly. Really? Because, uh, I can't think of very many people who haven't traveled much in the U S that have traveled as much as you have internationally, which might be a bit different for you. Cause now you live in Europe and like you were saying, they're so close and they function similarly to how states function. But to me, yeah. that just sounds so strange. Yeah, it does for a lot of people when you're like, yeah, I went to France on the weekend. And a lot of Americans that just blows their mind because they think, well, if there's no way, an American can go to France for the weekend because that's like 10 hours. Uh, well, I guess maybe if you if you have a company and they're rich, uh, sure, you can pay a grand to go to Paris for a weekend, but no one really does that. Whereas yeah. here it's cheaper. So if I, so a lot of my friends, for example, flew from St. Louis to Chicago, that's like a hundred dollars or, or maybe 200, which is like nothing with respect to like flights. Although now it might be a bit more expensive, but anyway. And- uh, flights are cheaper right now. Are they? Okay. Yep. Airlines yeah. definitely want people back in. Yeah. And it's the same here too. So you can pay for a trip to like Belgium and I guess you could fly for like a hundred bucks, but I don't know why you would, because you could just drive there in an hour. So it, it, that that's kind of how people, you know, travel. That, that is actually something I want to talk about too. Um, I don't know how super common this is in Europe, especially with the differences in gas prices, but uh, American road trips are very popular. I mean, that's a lot of the reason why I've been to as many states as I have. I've stayed in a lot of states as like a destination, but I've passed through a lot uh, just on the way to where we were going because price-wise, it's not super different flying versus driving, but when you get where you're going, you have your car and you don't have to pay for you know, an Uber, a Lyft, a taxi, take the bus, take the metro or the subway or whatever that city likes to call its rail line. Yeah, like in the US, I mean, so a lot of people, at least for my generation, a lot of their parents were divorced. So, and if you were lucky, your parents stayed in the same state. But if you were not lucky, they would move to a different state. And because of that, I moved around a lot and we went to a lot of different states which, I mean, it was a good experience. So my favorite one was Colorado. And I haven't been there in over 20 years. But it's a beautiful state, especially in the winter. Absolutely. So if you ever go to the U.S., you have to go to Colorado. You have to see the Rocky Mountains. Um, in winter, it's just to die for. 
at least that's how I remember it. <laughs> no, no, but, you're right. I, I live, I live in the Rocky Mountain area. It, it's a big mountain chain, and it's very pretty. It's so beautiful. I Sometimes absolutely... I get a little numb to it, and then I kind of just glance off at a mountain, and I'm like, "All right, I live in a very beautiful place." Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I... you take it for granted. <laughs> that's true. So, as listeners, I think know, like I'm, I'm from St. Louis, so the most famous. The most famous thing about St. Louis is the arch, uh, the gateway to the West, you know, and it's just basically a huge arch. It's like 600 feet, 700 feet tall. You can go up into it um, and then look down if you feel like it, or, or you can go underground and go to a museum. But that's oh, it. I had no idea about that. Yeah. I mean, it's like the main attraction. It costs like 20 bucks to get in. I I've been there like six times and <laughs> it's not really that interesting anymore to me, but as for like road trips, we I would go to Arkansas a lot and Illinois because Illinois is right on the border to St. Louis. So it's right. like an hour, not, not even. But Arkansas is pretty, I would consider, I think that's the South because Missouri is a border state. And a lot of people say like, I'm from the South. I'm definitely not from the South, <laughs> but yeah, so. I, I've been kind of dealing with this lately, and I think it has to do with uh, a lot of M starting states having similar sounding names and similar uh, initials. Uh, in in my in my new job, getting states right is very important, and I've had to double check a few things and correct my mental map a few times in regards to Missouri and Mississippi. You know how many states we have? Quick question. <laughs> uh, Fifty. Okay. You wouldn't believe how people get that wrong, though. Like, Inter- I mean, not Americans, though, right? Of course. I've met plenty of people who've gotten that wrong. Or they'll say, like, 51. But uh, to to their, in their defense, though, they consider Puerto Rico a state and Washington. Um, unfortunately, those aren't states. Those are, that's, those are territories. Although Washington isn't a territory. Washington, D.C., it's the capital. It's, uh, it's, its, own, it's its own unique, weird classification. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I I know all the states, but it would take me a while to list them all. But <clears throat> I think no, I could do it with a blank map pretty easily. Uh, with a map, I I don't know if I could. I'd probably fail. <laughs> I would. Get, well, I would... actually, when we get to the East Coast, uh, because the Northeast Coast of America, states start getting really small. Yeah, that's true. And. <laughs> <laughs> my, I might be able to list all of them by name, but the locations and orders might be a little off. I could probably write them all down in a list alphabetically, but uh, don't ask me to put them on the map. I know where everything is, uh, generally speaking. So, like, I'm not going to say that Texas is in the north, but other than that, I don't know if I can like pinpoint them all on the map. I'm not a geography nerd, though, so that's okay. <clears throat> Oh, but, since we were on the topic and yeah. the area, um, this is kind of my example for something I wanted to bring up, too, uh, of another reason why I think Americans don't travel as much internationally is uh, a lot of the uh, natural beauty we have here is pretty world class. So, for example, I live maybe three to four hours away from Yellowstone National Park, which is uh, an awe-inspiring place. And it's, it's always interesting to go there because the majority of it is in Wyoming, which is the least populous state in this country. And it's, you know, the demographics are 
very white. But when you start getting close to the park, you you suddenly start seeing a lot of international tourists just in the middle of nowhere, like at the in the surrounding gas stations and towns. And it's 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 kind of like uh, you you get in that thirty mile radius of the park, and uh, you hit a little you hit a little wall of diversity. It's it's always kind of interesting to see. Yeah. So then so then we get to a point where I always differentiate. So. People always ask me, like, why don't you want to live in the U.S.? Because a lot of foreigners have this impression that the U.S. is the best country ever. And that is a very subjective opinion. Uh, I wouldn't say the U.S. is uh, the worst country ever, but I, saying it's the best country ever, it, I don't know. It's not very fair to a lot of places I think are also very nice. But And I think lot- it's like calling someone the best person ever. Yeah. That's- like, how can you be the best person? You're, are you the best at everything you've ever done? Yeah, I try to avoid these uh, these wordings like the like the perfect thing or the perfect person, but right. I do think the U.S. has a lot to offer in uh, with respect to like the quality of living and sightseeing. And if you're interested in living in the U.S., I think there are things that you should know in advance. But that's something you would have to research on your own. Like for example, health insurance or like how much does university cost, but. If you're interested in seeing the U.S. from uh, like a nature perspective, I think there's a lot to see because the U.S. Oh, is, absolutely. Is, is massive. And if you include parts of uh, Canada, like, for example, like the border and Alaska, Alaska belongs to the U.S., not to Canada. And you include like the Hawaiian Islands and some of the territories like Guam, Puerto Rico, stuff like that. Um, then there's a, a lot to see. And... Absolutely. And if you're already here on a on a passport as a foreign tourist, yeah, it's probably not that big of a deal to just go north to Canada to go see some things. Yeah, I've I've talked to so many people here and they're like, I want to go to the U.S. Like I just it's been my dream to go to the U.S. So for a lot of people, it's their dream to to go to the U.S. because it's something you see in TV all the time. And it's something you feel like you you know because you've seen so much and you've read so much about it, but you've never actually been there. And so it's like, yeah, sure. What do you want to do like when you get there? And a lot of people have told me, and I have to be nice about it because it's such a terrible idea. They're like, I want to do a road trip like in like a week and I want to get... Uh, oh, this uh, is always my favorite seeing this. Yeah, I want to get a car and start in New York and then go to like Seattle and then California and do that in a week. I was like, you are not going to do a quality road trip in the U S in one week. And no, just... I mean, you could, you could just do nothing but drive and sleep and you'd make it, but yeah, you could see some nice things, but you're not going to stop to look at them. You could drive from New York to California in a week. Definitely. But that's definitely not a road trip that I would want to take. So no, I, I think and this is an outsider's perspective, but it sounds pretty true. A, a lot of people just do not fully appreciate the scope of this country. <laughs> the The U.S. is almost as big as the European Union. And the European Union has like 20 countries in it. So, or maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less. I, I'm sorry, I don't have all the, the countries' names in my head. But the European Union is, is huge. And there's no way you're doing a road trip in, in the European Union for one week, just like in the U.S., and a lot of people just forget that. So I, I don't know if this will kind of help 
people visualize, but um, I've done this road trip a couple of times from where I live in southeastern Montana to Las Vegas, which is the very southern tip of Nevada. We could not do that trip in a day. It was roughly like um, 14 or so hours of driving one day, um, stay the night in some small hotel in southern Utah, and then finish it out the next day. I might be slightly wrong in the time. It's been a couple of years since we've done it, but, and that's, you know, not even the northernmost part of the country to the most southern points, not even close to that. And the country is a lot wider than it is tall. So I think if you actually drive from the northwest corner to the southeast corner, I think of just straight driving time, it is over two days. That, that's a lot. Yes. That's a lot of time. And you mentioned before about gas prices. I don't know if we actually really talked about gas prices, um, but I'm not hundred percent sure if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I know American gas prices are much lower than the rest of the world. Oh yeah. We talked about like gallons and liters and stuff like that. So in, in the U S a lot of people do drive by car. Um, like for example, like a, a license doesn't really cost that much in the U S so in Missouri, and I double checked this a couple months ago. I don't know why, but I did. Uh, a license costs around like $10, $15, which is more or less like the national average. Now, this is for like a regular license. This isn't like if you're a, like a trucker or something, because if you do a trucker's license, it's much more expensive. But if you just want like a regular license to drive a car, like $15, $20. I honestly don't even remember paying for mine. I just well, assumed it was free all this time. <laughs> that well, wasn't free for me, but <laughs> 15 bucks isn't that much. Whereas in a lot of countries, especially European countries, you're paying upwards in like the thousands for a license. What? Yeah. And on top of that, gas here is very expensive. Even for Europeans, it's, it's somewhat expensive. And I know that my wife and a lot of her friends, they paid around like two grand for their license because you have to do schooling. So driving lessons and you have to do uh, written lessons. And that takes like two or three months. And that'll cost around like, like $1,500, $1,600. And this isn't true for, for just Germany. This is true for like France, for like Spain, for England. A lot of these countries have strict driving laws. Uh, and they're required to take this class. Oh yeah, there's no way. There's no way around it. You ha you have okay. to take these. Yeah, you have to take. For example, like don't quote me on this, but for example, you have to take uh, like ten classes. So you have to do like a lot of uh, theoretical stuff, like ten classes, and uh, like twenty driving hours, for example. And then one driving hour will be around like forty, fifty bucks, and you got to do twenty of those. <laughs> so it adds up quickly. And yeah. then, then you got to pay for the exam and the exam is around like two, $300. And if you fail that, well, you got to pay it again. Oh, so, my. that yeah. is, it is so much easier in America. My experience was yeah. uh, I took driver's ed, which I think was offered free after school at my school. If it was, if it cost something, it wasn't very much. Yeah. And then, you know, you do the driving and all that. And you take your test. I'm fairly certain the actual test to get your learner's permit and get your driver's license is free. 
And if you want, and this is optional, if you want to, there, there are certain um, guidelines you have to meet to get your license. But I think a lot yeah. of those just fall away once you hit 18. I think if you're 18, you can just go in, take yeah. the test. And if you pass, you get it. Yeah. So two points for those who don't know, driver's ed, ed stands for education, just uh, in the US. So driver's education, I took that too in school. The thinking behind that is, is if you take it, you can get like lower insurance prices or what or whatever. It didn't work for me, but it works for some people. But yeah, so there, there are like two tiers, basically. So two systems in the US. Uh, if you're 16, then you do a driver's permit, uh, which means you're allowed to drive to work and drive with someone who's over the age of 18 and, and also has a license. Or if you're 18 and older, you can just do it in one day. So you go and you do the written test and then you do the driving test and then you go home happy with your license. But you, you can't do that here. <laughs> That's not possible. Uh, and it's the reverse. So when I tell people I paid $10 for my license, they're just like, oh my God, that's like so cheap. And they're like, I'm going to go to the US and do a driver's license and then come back to Europe. And I was like, but a flight to the US is like $1,000. <laughs> so oh. you're not really saving any money. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> that, that is so bizarre to me overall. It's just such a different experience. And, and one thing I did kind of want to circle back to before we end it here is yeah. uh, we were, we were talking at the beginning, we were kind of talking about, you know, the average American again, and we were talking mm. about the one big international vacation and how, you know, I'm in the process of planning one in like two to three years. And I think my experience isn't super abnormal. So I, I, I'm not going to pretend my life is miserable or anything. You know, my life is perfectly, perfectly good. But, you know, everyone has bad days or times at work where they're like, oh, I'd really rather not be here right now. But I have I've set this thing off in the distant future that I really want to do. And it's something I'm when I have those moments, I can look towards and say, well, this is to get there. And I think that's a thing a lot of Americans do when they're planning that one big trip, that one crazy place they've heard of on the other side of the world that they just want to get to so badly. And they're going to plan for years. They're going to save their money. They're going to, you know, study a few, you know, words and phrases to, yeah. to at least be able to ask for the bathroom when they travel. And I, 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 I just think that's a, at least it sounds like to me, it sounds like a very unique experience for Americans or at least people on this continent who don't get the opportunity to travel to such different places all that often. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the traveling isn't really like, so I guess before we end, I think a lot of reasons why Americans don't travel is even if they had the money, uh, one, they don't see really the point as we mentioned before. Yep. And two, I guess it's more of like a, like a pride thing um yep we're the best we have yep. the best everything you, <laughs> exactly you want, go to a tropical island why we have the best one yeah go, go to a frozen tundra why we have the best one so go, like go to a desert why <laughs> we have the best one it's called death valley how can you beat death valley exactly yeah <laughs> so a lot of americans just want to stay home as in in the u.s uh because they perceive it to be you know the best why would you want to go anywhere else 
you know, that, and they're not completely wrong. They're, we do have some world-class destinations in this country. They're oh, not definitely. completely wrong. Yeah. But it's one of those things where saying best doesn't really fit because things are better and worse at different things. And sometimes they're not better or worse. They're just different. And you want a little bit, you know, you want that different flavor in your life. Yeah, that's true. But unfortunately, uh, we're running out of time, so... We don't want to keep you any yeah, longer than normal. this one out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks so much for listening. Hope you uh, enjoy the conversation. Hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Do you have anything else to add before you go? Um, Not too much. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I, I hear we're getting a lot of good listens and I'm really really happy to hear that and uh i just hope everyone has a great week and we'll be back with another one next week yeah see you guys next week bye bye